Welcome to the Fueling the Future podcast, where we get to the bottom of global trends, issues, and developments in the low-carbon fuels and vehicles issues space. Are you looking for real insight and analysis from the industry's top experts? Are you trying to stay ahead of the curve and read the tea leaves on future fuels and vehicles issues? Then you're in the right place. My name is Tammy Klein, and with me today is Jason Hill, who is the Associate Professor in the Department of Bioproducts and Biosystems Engineering at the University of Minnesota. Jason serves as the Resident Fellow of the University's Institute on the Environment. His research focuses on the consequences of food, energy, agriculture, and natural resource use from a life cycle perspective. Dr. Hill received his A.B. in biology from Harvard College and his Ph.D. in plant biological sciences from the University of Minnesota. Welcome to the show, Jason. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. So I have been um, after you <laughs> for a little while to interview you about a paper that was recently in Energy Policy that you and two um, colleagues uh, prepared, and it's called The Climate Consequences of Low-Carbon Fuels, the United States Renewable Fuel Standard. For the listeners who may not be familiar with the work, uh, could you describe a little bit about uh, the study and what you found? So we'll just start there.
what has been the reaction from EPA on this? And do you think that, that both federal and state regulators will begin to consider the rebound effect in, in future policymaking in the future? Have you had any reaction from from anyone in Congress uh, to the paper? Do you see, actually, do you see in, in future analyses, okay, so maybe policymakers aren't ready to look at it, you know, um, nothing much from EPA on it at this point, but do you see, you know, these kinds of analyses, do you see the rebound effect, you know, being taken into account in these kinds of analyses in, in the future? Is there more of, a, of an openness to that, sort of the more we learn, the more we need to um, sort of adjust and improve.
So I want to read a statement, um, kind of what you summarized uh, in the beginning, and then I, I want to read a statement from the paper and then ask you a couple of questions. In the study, you and the co-authors say, all else equal, requiring that biofuels have a reduction in carbon intensity greater than 50% compared to gasoline would result in climate change mitigation, which is basically what you said at the, at the beginning. More generally, a low-carbon fuel with a carbon intensity of X percent that of a fossil fuel must displace at least X percent of that fossil fuel to reduce overall greenhouse gas emissions. Do you see federal biofuels policy, you know, moving this way in the future? And, you know, is the paper suggesting or, or perhaps favoring more of an approach like what we see under California's low-carbon fuel standard? You know, it's interesting because your paper says this, um, you know, there are several, there's an, an economist, an editorial in The Economist that uh, promoted or talked about just carbon tax uh, or even increasing fuel taxes. And if you look at, you know, the, the G20 just met recently and a group called Climate Transparency, you know, put out sort of a, a report card and, and looking at low carbon policies and, you know, countries are moving ahead on things like, you know, fuel economy. But when you get to, you know, carbon tax, you know, there's only a few countries that have actually even attempted to, to move this way. So I, I just find it interesting because, you, you guys, and you know other economists, the economists, climate transparency. I mean, this is the, the you know, in some sense, the easiest way to you know achieve 
greenhouse gas reductions from the transport and other sectors, and yet um, there is such great reluctance um, to to do so, not only in the U.S. but in in other countries. So instead, you know, we have what many may, you know, arguably, and what many may say are very, um, you know, convoluted um, programs to that that you know don't achieve, um, you know, the same as what a carbon tax would achieve. And it's, um, it's interesting. It's like, you know, could we just not take the direct route here? I mean, there, there's such a reluctance. So that's a, an editorial, not a question, but a, I think a, an interesting outcome because there are more and more voices out there, including um, yours and your colleagues in this paper that are, um, you know, that are saying that, and um, yet there's such reluctance to, to do that. We know that, you know, a carbon tax is, is, at least for the time being, you know, not on the table. And we have an RFS, and even though the paper doesn't address the LCFS, we do have an LCFS. So is there a middle road? Is there a, a next best outcome, you know, for policies, taking into consideration what you found in the paper? And, you know, where do advanced biofuels uh, fit, fit into this, you know, in terms of what you found in the paper?
So I want to just ask you about that because if you look at the low carbon fuel standard, I mean, the threshold under the RFS is really, you know, it, it's it's not a strong threshold. It's 20, 20%. I mean, it's really nothing. But if you look at what's happened in in California, or I wouldn't say it's not nothing, but it's the, the bar is not that high. Let's put it that way. So if you look at what um, has happened in California, you know, to really – uh, play and take it in the market and to take the uh, best advantage um, in the market, uh, one uh, producer needs a uh, the lowest carbon intensity possible. And so what has happened in that program is it has facilitated efficiency changes and in some cases really substantially for corn ethanol producers out there. So my question to you is, is there a way to continue that path and such that, you know, I don't know if they would ever be able to achieve a carbon intensity equal to that of, of cellulosic ethanol, but what if they, you know, could you know, or get pretty close? Does that change? Do you for, foresee that? And, you know, is, it, is, that, is, it, is that possible?
All right. Um, and so we'll end it there. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Jason, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today, and it's been a pleasure to talk with you about the paper, and I hope you'll come back as uh, you continue to research uh, issues uh, in this area. So please do us a favor before you go today. Head over to iTunes and rate this podcast. This is huge for us in terms of improving our ranking in iTunes and keeping this show visible so that other people can discover it. Thank you ahead of time for helping us out. And if you're looking for more insight and analysis on low-carbon fuels and vehicles issues, sign up for my free weekly newsletter at futurefuelstrategies.com. Thanks so much.